Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep selling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is not true. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And welcome to Zero Today with your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I am he, your humble host, Helen from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We're here to help you, the listener, our listening audience, our wonderful listening audience, all 50 of you. <laughs> We're here to promote a knowledge for you that is engaging and transforming. We want you, we want you to be empowered. We want you to know, be, and impact the world, do and impact the world around you. We want you to join us in this illuminating journey. Of course, always you can join us by calling in, uh, in on the line is 347-257-5230. I think the chat is working. We've had so many problems with the chat room, but if we can't get the chat room up, if it's not up in order, that's no problem. You can always call in the number. You can join us and send us an email. Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail.com. Tell us how we're doing. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Prophesy, uh, on Facebook, on our Zero Network, at, on the Facebook page. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Wherever we are, Skype, Yahoo, <laughs> Facebook, we're there. We want you to join us there. We're glad to be here this morning. we got an interesting topic we want to talk about. Um since I opened the can of worms last week by talking about the movie uh, "Think Like a Man" that hadn't come out yet, I did make the chance. Uh, I did did get to see that movie, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and going to continue our discussion we we had uh, about love, particularly eros and agape love. And if you uh, if you caught the show promo, we're talking about um, we're we're dealing with the question is. Uh, um, is this facet of love, eros and agape, 
uh, is it critical? Is it critical to having a healthy relationship with God and with humans? And of course, we probably already know that part answers that to the last part. But also, we want to ask the question: Is sanctification connected with this, uh, with an erotic experience? So we want to hear your voices on there uh, on on this topic, and we, we're really glad that you're joining us. We want you to uh, your uh, information up, get your thoughts in, comments, or whatever you might have, in on the show today. As always, we want to try to start off with prayer before we get into the topic because I'm kind of on an upset, uh, a little, little upset about some uh, the Zimmerman, a lot of this Trayvon Martin Zimmerman thing. I'll talk about that after we pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for another day. We appreciate we appreciate your goodness and your mercy for allowing us to be here to do the show. We pray God that you bless the listeners, myself and others, as we have a delightful conversation and dialogue about what you created. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. All right. I I said that I had a beef. Uh, not really a beef, but I'm, I'm really upset. I, uh, okay. We're, we're all aware that um, last week Zimmer, uh, George Zimmerman appeared in court before a judge, and um, the judge granted him bail for, I think it was $150,000, whatever it may have been. And I have been hearing outrage at the fact that the band got bail. And I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I, I know we have a flawed justice system. Everyone knows that. And and um, there, there, there have been plenty of persons who have been wrongfully convicted. There have been plenty of persons who have been um, uh, inadequately convicted and by inadequately I mean they've been and there've been people who've been um who have been given ex, extensive or extenuating excruciating uh jail sentences and we you know those are things that we have to address in our criminal justice system that that and you have to be honest with you uh, a great deal a majority of prisoners with unfair sentencing and Unjust uh, receiving the the bad the bad side of unjust laws are uh, minorities, African American, Hispanic. You know, we're we're on the bad end of that. So Zimmerman gets bond, and people are still crying for his head. He's in hiding or in custody or protective custody or whatever it may be. And I'm hearing this frustration, uh, frustration. You know, still calling for justice and all of this. And here's my here's my beef. Here's here's where I, I, I got mad. What 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 upsets me is these the folk the a lot of the people who are crying out for for uh justice and crying out that he shouldn't have, you know, complaining that he should not have been bonded are the same people who are silent about the crime that goes on in uh black communities. What do I mean by that? The same people who are the same people who are crying for his head and justice and all this stuff are silent when it comes to the crimes that are committed in these in our neighborhoods. For example, when uh, a person is murdered, it's a drive-by shooting, for example, or, or just a or just a murder uh, that we we know neighbors know who did it, and those neighbors keep silent. They will not, you know, they don't want to be snitches. Gangs are notorious. Gang members are notorious for this. You know, 
gang members though who did crimes because their buddies brag about who they killed or, or who they popped or who they did whatever, and their their friends their relatives know about this and allow these persons to continue to walk the street. But some of those same persons were out protesting and crying for justice because they were driven by emotion. They were driven by the fact that it came across it, the way it was presented to them was in a racial manner. The way it was presented to them was in a way that uh, uh, was, you know, supposed to create havoc. And you know, I, I think they're looking for us to riot. Uh, that's just me. You know, they want they want to see black folk tear up their community again, like they did in Watts. Uh, um, in the 90s and like they did in Chicago in the 80s and I mean, I mean 60s and uh, Watts in the 60s LA again in the 90s after uh, after uh, the Rodney King and matter of fact Rodney King <laughs> Rodney King uh, uh, gave comments press regarding what he considers to be injustice and I was like okay man yeah yeah anything for attention um but we're not, you know, we're speaking against this injustice, and I mean, the cry is national in the black community in particular. Is you know that cry is national, national, and yet we still have the highest crime rate, and we ain't crying about that. This weekend, I attended a, a rally here in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, and was to stop the violence rally, and I was very proud to be one of the uh, one of the participants uh, as we met on the cap on. Uh, the county courthouse steps, and the organizer, uh, a very, very, very uh, good man. Uh, he 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 brought us together, pastors and uh, past the clergy, law. We had the sheriff and the DA. We were all out there, and it was cold. And we were all out there. The problem I had is just that it should have been a it should have been a packed crowd. When they had that rally for Trayvon Martin uh, several weeks ago here in Jackson, it was nearly a thousand people with hoodies on in the heat. I mean, it was hot. It was hot. And those came and they protested and they were standing for justice for Trayvon. And here for justice in our own in our own community, I think there may have been about 20 people, if that. 20 people. 20 people. On a Saturday morning, protesting and trying to stand up against the violence that's taken. Uh, we had to report there was a there was a homicide the very night before the uh, the rally. But you, you, I hope you can sense the kind of frustration that I'm feeling, and I'm trying to express uh, that this joint you can't be you you can't have one thing. Uh, you can't say you want justice because the act came across as a racist act. To you, that's the way it was presented as an act of racism, uh, an unjust act, and a person um, being um, untreated unjustly by uh, by our, by their standards, unfairly by their standards. Yet, in a community where crime is is ran, running rampant, not just murder, not just homicide, uh, but think about it. Think about the other crimes: child molestation, incest. Sexual abuse, you know. All, say, I know those are all the same thing in the same category. Uh, domestic violence, uh, crimes against children of all kinds, you know, and, and um, robberies, rape, all kinds of all kinds of violent crime that goes unattended, 
daily in cities across the country, both small and large. And we have the nerve. We have the nerve to rally against somebody and to protest somebody, and we're going to be silent about things that in our community. Uh, that's just me. I, I apologize for the rant, but it's a reality. We have to we have to put things in priority. We can't get mad at something because it involved a person of another color and not have that same type of angry angry uh, resolution when it's in our own communities. Can't do that. That's, that's just not right. Well, uh, I've ran it long enough. Going to take a quick commercial break. And on the flip side of this break, flip side of this break, what we're going to do, we're going to jump into our subject. And the subject we're talking about is maximizing errors. How can we maximize errors to have a better, more fulfilling relationship with God? So we're going to take this break and we'll be back right after this. Those of you who have listened to my show uh, realize that 
uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com. They have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff. They got it, right? And then they house it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving them either because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to that site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure. Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. Again, you're, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I'm glad that you're joining with us today. We're, we're talking about maximizing errors, maximizing errors. How can we create, how can we use that drive, that emotion, that that uh, erotic passion that God gave us to have a better relationship with him? That's the question we're asking. That's what we want to discuss. Again, feel free to call in the line, uh, 237, uh, two, uh, 347, <laughs> 347, 237. Um, five two three zero. Wow, can't remember that phone number. <laughs> uh, but that's what we're talking about. We want you to join in and get your insight and opinion. First of all, we got to ask the question: um, What is errors? What do we mean? And uh, how can we incorporate? Why has it been incorporate to uh, so difficult to incorporate errors into uh, Christian separate? sexual ethics in our discussion about sexuality and if we believe God gave it and created it, why is it so so difficult for us to discuss it? So that's what we want to be talking about. That's what we want to be talking about today. Um and I I, I, I we got into the discussion last week because uh I, we were talking about the movie, Steve Harvey's movie Think Like a Man, which came out in theaters last Friday. Um and I did go. I did get a chance to go see it. it it's it, it's okay. It's hilarious only because Kevin Hart. Like I said in, in the last broadcast, Kevin Hart made the movie. I mean, he literally made the movie. The movie kept moving because of him and his uh, uh, comedy. But the thunder, the underlying themes in the movie. You know, uh, I wanted. You know, I I, I I caught my attention because the underlying mo. Uh, theme is about human relations, uh, relations between male and female, and the erotic, in more particular, the erotic relationship between male and female. There was an, in the movie, there was an underlying erotic theme, 
And by erotic, I'm not talking about, um, you know, a perverted way. I'm talking about um, the sexual connection between human, male and female. That underlying theme was there. And so we had to ask the question, what is the underlying relationship Eros has to offer us when it comes to um, male and female relationships? I'm having some difficulty here, so y'all just bear with me. This is I'm, I, it looks like I got kicked off of something here. Let me take a quick break. I, I do apologize for doing it so abruptly. We're gonna take a quick break. See what what's going on. See see if we can figure something out. All right, we'll be right back after this. So then I said, Mr. Prime Minister, I'm flattered that you love chocolate, but I'm here strictly in a professional. What's wrong with him? He thinks you're naked. My shell is brown. It just looks like my milk chocolate is showing. Only a fool would think I'd actually show up naked. So it's that kind of party. Hit it! I'm sexy and I know it. The Game of Life with the Prius C. A high-stakes world where some descend into total loserdom, while others triumphantly return home to their Tudor houses. The real game of life is no more forgiving, but luckily you're ready to grab it by the throat and jujitsu it into submission. And with all the important things to do and places to go, you're going to need a game piece that will move you to the next level. That car, my friends, is the all-new 53-mile-per-gallon rated Prius C from Toyota. It was just gigantic. It was humongous. Enormous huge bill. That's actually when we switched to Vonage. The service is great. I don't see any difference with the call quality. Or I can just pick up the phone and call. As it. many family members as I want. Ugh, why did I not do this earlier? I'm Laura Pruden, and this was my last bill. Before I switched to Vonage. Time is running out to get Vonage World for just $14.99 a month with unlimited domestic and international calls. Go to Vonage.com or call now. How much money do you need to make each month? That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through IncomeAtHome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people like Karen who need to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday, and with four teenagers at home, we were worried. By the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six figure income and I'm paying cash for college for four kids. We found our way out of rat race. Listen, this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends. This is a real business bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24-7. Incomeathome.com is affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating. So how much money do you need to earn each month from home? Visit IncomeAtHome.com right now for your chance to win
All right, welcome back. If you're listening to the show, we appreciate you listening. This is Zero Today with your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. It seems that we have gone off live, and we are now, this is a a broadcast, but um, it's a recorded broadcast. So uh, whatever you miss, you can always go back and listen to any archive show. And this, of course, is part of the archive show. So whatever we missed live on the air, you're you're getting the rest of this show now. So we do apologize for that. But we want to continue the discussion that we started before the break on maximizing errors, maximizing um, the underlying uh, erotic uh, relationship that God has created between man and woman and himself. So we want to talk about that. Uh, now, when we talk about sex in the Christian arena, um, of course, it's it, it's largely, how can I put it? How's a, what's a good way to put it? When we, when we deal with sex, it's a taboo issue. Anything related to sexuality in fundamental Christianity is taboo. We don't want to talk about it. And that goes back for centuries when the church tried to uh, – uh, basically, uh, they felt that uh, sexual desire led to corruption and corruption led to evil, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So by – Dampening and clapping down on sexual expression, they felt that uh, there would be less of a chance for people to do corrupt things that led to other things. And, and base, you know, they enforced they forced um, their priests to be celibate, and um, basically any type of sexual expression was deemed heresy <laughs> in some way. And you know, they went on and on from there. Uh, and, and so, it, it, so sexual expression was related to outside of the Christian arena. Of course, it got perverted, and we see it expressed now in in the ways of pornography and all kinds of other sexual deviancy. And I'm not talking; I'm not just limited to the mainstream, what some folks consider as sexual deviancy. I'm not. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the way it's been expressed. But is it was was it is eroticism uh, eros as a way? Uh, was it is there a way it could be used to connect with God? And I, I believe yes. But before I do that, I, I found a clip. I thought I just wanted to share with you. Um, this clip is from a documentary that was called Friends of God is produced by uh, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, and I can't call her name right now. But in the clip, um, in the clip, Nancy, uh, the, the producer, Pelosi, visited uh, Ted Haggard's church. And if you're not familiar with Ted Haggard, you have to go back several years. He was pastor of a non-denominational charismatic uh, church in Colorado, who was later exposed for... Uh, I think he was having, not having sex, but uh, soliciting sex from a male prostitute, and he, you know, expressed his uh, homosexuality, I guess, or his his confusion about his sexuality. I think that's more, a, a better expression because he's still married. Uh, they were, you know, they, he stepped down from the church and has since gone into some reclusion, except when. Um, CNN talked to him about the Eddie Long scandal, but I found a clip that uh, in this documentary where he talks about his church and sexuality, and um, 
where where the church should stand on sexuality. So I'm gonna play this clip real quick. It's about uh, it's a little two about two and a half minutes. So let's hear what Ted Hager pre <laughs> pre Ted Hager before the fall had to say about sexuality. Uh, and you know, all the surveys say that evangelicals have the best sex life of any other group. Oh, come on. No oh, yeah. way. Oh, yeah. But let's just find out how often do you have sex with your wife? Every day. Every day? How about Twice a day sometimes? Okay, how about you? Yeah. Every day. Every day. Let's say out of 100 times when you have sex, what percentage What percentage does she climax? Everyone. Everyone. How about you? Everyone. Okay. Everyone. These guys, you would have thought these were a bunch of studs. Look at them. Look at that. We gotta join this church. <laughs> There's a lot of love in this place. There's a lot of love in this place. And you don't think these babies just come out of nowhere, do you? We don't have to debate about what we should think about homosexual activity. It's written in the Bible. So do you realize that in places where I'm from, like in San Francisco and New York, they think evangelicals are all haters because you make it seem like your truth is the only truth and you're really intolerant of people who don't believe what you believe. Well, here's something that's very important for everybody to understand. If you believe anything, then some people feel bad about that. Like, if I believe Crest toothpaste is the best toothpaste, then the Pepsodent users and the Listerine toothpaste users and the different ones feel bad about that because I'm saying Crest is best. Well, we say that about moral issues. We say marriage is a heterosexual relationship between a man and a woman. We say moral purity is better than immorality. We say telling the truth is better than telling a lie. And every time we say anything, and we've got 1,500 pages of those things we say, the Bible, when you say anything like that, there's a group of people that are going to get nervous about that. So we, we do have a public relations problem. We always have. They killed Jesus, if you'll recall. And the church has always had this problem because we are the ones with the role to say there is a moral plumb line and we need to rise up to it. And that's also why secular people are so concerned when the church doesn't fulfill its own moral stand. Like if a pastor falls into corruption or becomes dishonest or greedy. It's heartbreaking because even secular people want godly people to be authentically godly. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with him at all. I'm gonna completely agree with uh, the statement Ted Harriet made about evangelicals having the best sex. Uh, what he said is is true. It's very obvious that evangelicals, evangelical Christians in particular, have a lot of sex because the you know the clergymen and <laughs> we have some of the matter of fact we have some of the highest divorce rates. So. And adultery, you know, infidelity rates. Uh, so when it, it when it comes down to sexuality and evangelical Christians in particular, uh, well, we ain't much different. We're not much different at all. Matter of fact, we in some cases we lead, we lead the, the we lead the the pack. So if we lead the if we lead the pack in that area, 
you know why do we have why is it still taboo with it why why do we have a problem addressing and uh, uh articulating sexuality within the church and i talked about last week i, I talked about uh it um oh my goodness lose my my i am losing it today ed young uh of uh dallas texas his church did a series uh earlier this year entitled um wait he seven not early yeah early this year they they did uh he did a sermon series sex experience and uh in january in the sex experience what he did he and his wife they basically camped out atop the roof of their church in um in texas and it was supposed to the whole point of the uh, of the uh the sermon series was to uh get married couples to have more sex so it it's interesting it, it it's really interesting that that's what he was trying to get done and i don't know how much it accomplished but it was a good stunt it was a good stunt <laughs> Very good stuff. Matter of fact, doing one of those services at his church, I'm, I'm digressing, but doing one of those services at his church, <laughs> his praise team actually sang Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye during the service. And had two brothers. You have to go to YouTube and uh, look it up. Uh, it, it was it, it is hilarious, you know. Not only did I think it was unsanctimonious, to sing that song, I don't care what the subject was, but you know, doing the sub, doing the servant series, and then to uh, put on sex as display, I, I don't think it helps much. But that's just me. But anyway, Ed Young and his church, they they did that thing, and there are a lot of churches trying to reconnect sexuality to the Christian experience and putting it in and incorporating it into their Christian their preaching methods, and uh, you know. Their family and trying to trying to put a new spin on the whole family ministry thing, um, which is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I I, I think it's good uh, that they're trying to bring sexuality, uh, a sexual intercourse in the married content uh, within the confines of marriage. I think that's a good thing. I think we should push that board. And I can't talk. I have been like I said. I, I've said this before, and you know, yeah, I guess you can say it's a confession. But I, I'm not a sexually pure pastor. I wish I could say that I was a sexually pure pastor. I wish I could say that I was, you know, I wish I could say that in 20 years of, of preaching um, and, and having been married and divorced, I wish I could say that, that since I've been divorced uh, over these years that I have been celibate. But I'd be lying, and most of us would, you know, most of us probably could not do it. Now, I have gone, I have had periods of celibacy or, or abstinence practice. Um, and I celebrate that, but you know, it, it's been it was a hard and tedious time to do it. Um, but you know, God's grace. Thank God for God's grace. And I'm not encouraging you any. I I don't encourage uh, and encourage that for my. I don't encourage it for anyone. But I think it's important that we understand there's a connection between human sexuality, the drive, uh, uh, the sexual drive, eros, sexual drive, and the spirit. I got one more thing I want to read, and then I have another clip. Um, so uh, let's talk about erotic spirituality. Now, when we talk about erotic spirituality, a lot of people uh, 
outside of the Christian faith, and some even in the Christianity uh, and the Christian faith, uh, when they think about that, they think about tantric sexuality. Tantric sexuality, you know, that's an Eastern practice and channeling the energy, the sexual energy to orgasm. And uh, if you've watched anything, I, I used to watch this TV series Real Sex on HBO, and I don't know if any of you guys watched it, but I, I watched that show, and they had the episode on there. And it was kind of strange white, watching some of these people who just happened to be white uh, go through this tantric sex exercise. and It was weird. It was weird. Uh, but... But that that you know, in, from their perspective, it was a means of channeling spirituality, uh, getting that together and and pushing it out. But um, what do we mean by an erotic spirituality? And, and I'm gonna quote from a uh, Dr. David Elkins, who's uh, the author of Beyond Religion, and um, it's eight alternative paths to the sacred. And I invite you to read up on that. Uh, um, again, David Elkins, Ph.D. <laughs> He's a he's a minister as well as a uh, psychologist, and this book is written. It's a, a few years old, but it still speaks to uh, today's postmodern uh, audience. And look what he says: he defines sexual uh, erotic spirituality uh, as the union of flesh and spirit, the integration of sexuality and spirituality. Um, in erotic spirituality, these two powerful energies, sexuality. And spirituality, uh, they come together, they combine sexual energy and spiritual energy and open the doors to a sacred experience. So, in other words, he said those two things are are, 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 are a way to connect with the sacred. And think about it. <clears throat> People don't want to admit it, but we have one of the most erotic books of literature in the Bible. One of the most erotic books of literature, uh, sacred literature, in uh, holy sacred literature, is found in the uh, in in the the Bible, in the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, is pretty erotic book, and we don't like to talk about. It. I don't have, I haven't heard a lot of people preach from it <laughs> or quote it, but the way it, it describes the allegory and the metaphors that they use as the bride describes her bridegroom and the groom bridegroom describes his his bride as as a you know as a gazelle leaping his her breast is prominent uh you know things of that nature is really erotic yet it is in, in in Jewish literature the book of you know and it's part of the series of the book of wisdom uh, the wisdom writings it, it is sacred text it's a sacred text that connects to the divine and in connecting to the divine it allows the reader to understand how sensuality and sexuality can bring and connect the two and even ourselves in Christian faith in a Christian tradition uh, John writes, Peter writes and uh, Paul writes uh, as the church being the bride of Christ, and 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 Jesus uses the parable of the virgins, you know, and the bridegroom, and and he integrated that story into his end time scenario. So, uh, eroticism, eros is very is is really critical, really is is really powerful. It's a powerful emotion, powerful energy, and in doing. 
in, in having that energy, it can connect you with the sacred. I have one more clip to play. And this one was pretty interesting. This um, is from, um, so that I find it here. This clip here is uh, Pastor, I can't pronounce her name because she's she's an Asian pastor. But in this clip, she talks about um, Jesus, real, real, Jesus' real mission was not to uh, to be crucified. Or resurrected. His real mission was to uh, fulfill the original intent of God through Adam and Eve, which was to basically to uh, create the ultimate family. It's a little over four minutes long, so uh, just just listen to it and hear what she says. Now, I may break in uh, in between and try to uh, present some commentary on it, but I, I want you to hear what uh, she says. And I try to find, while, while this clip is playing, I'll make sure I, I find a way to present, pronounce her, her name correctly. I think for me, as a woman pastor, just the fact that this whole concept and the living paradigm of an example of what true love is all about is composed of a man and a woman is incredibly exciting for me. You know, as you know, um, our Heavenly Parents sent uh, their loving son, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago. But because the Israelites were not prepared artistically and in terms of their faith and truly understanding who Jesus was, was, that he was the Son of God, that he was sent to really give us the good news, to really share with us the message of true love and hopefully enlighten the consciousness of the people in his time, to really be that eternal son and a daughter of God. You know, if, if the Israelites really truly understood the full fullness and the magnitude of his mission, they would have realized that the purpose of Jesus' coming was not to die on the cross. In fact, he had a wonderful mission. He had a glorious mission. He had a fulfilling mission that was cut short because the people did not realize who he was. And people were not there to protect the Son of God and to realize that he was really the hope for all of humankind. But because, and, and also because, Jesus never really had that opportunity to find that beautiful wife, um, to complete the original purpose or the original intention of God as to why he created Adam and Eve or men and women in the first place. Jesus never had that chance to really build that beautiful family with that beautiful wife and never really had a chance to really build what we call the four position foundation in our movement or this thing called a family, you know, with God at the helm and men and women uh, representing both sides of the hemisphere and then coming together in holy matrimony, creating and inviting beautiful children into their lives and thus create the building block of a beautiful family and society, nation and world. This was something that Jesus Christ was supposed to do. This was his mission. His mission was to marry, to find that beautiful wife and to create a beautiful family. And I'm sure just... All right. Okay. That was 
I got the name is Engine Moon. I, I had to learn how to say it right. Engine Moon, uh, you heard what she was saying about Jesus' real purpose. It wasn't coming to die, but to create the perfect family. And when you, when I investigated a little bit more about her, uh, of course, uh, I, she is the daughter of Sun. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Sun Myung Moon, the Unification Church, Moonies. You know, if you're not familiar with the Moonies, you know, there's this group that has the the mass weddings, you know, where thousands or hundreds of thousands, hundreds or thousands of people get married at the same time. And um, so she, you know, from that perspective, that's what she's speaking in, within the context of her um, her church belief. Uh, marriage is essential. Um, um, she She's the one who. Her father, you know, they they go forward and do all of this stuff. But anyway, so if we if we see see Jesus as the fulfillment of Adam and Eve, and Paul did allude to that in that he said, uh, by one man came to the world, by another man sin uh, was was purchased or, or left the world, and that the one man by Adam came sin and through Christ came redemption from sin. Um I I and 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 putting it within the context of putting it within the context of uh of errors is that unification of of Christ, you know, since he didn't marry, at least according to records, you know, scripture he didn't marry. We we can't be sure for certain that he never married. We don't know. Uh uh it does say that he was a Nazarene, but it doesn't say that he took a Nazarite vow. And even there were some that Samson who took the Nazarite vow and still married. So, you know, went against God's will, but he still married. Uh, we don't know if he was married or not. And personally, it wouldn't matter to me if Jesus was not married or was married. It wouldn't matter to me at all. As a matter of fact, it would be, you know, it would be proper, I guess you could say. Because then, as she said, it would be uh, a, a true fulfillment of God's purpose and, and you know creation when he created man and woman so and he God himself said it's not good for man to be alone so but again I, I just digress I, but what about her statements that uh that could be important what is it if, if God sent Jesus just to reconnect him uh, uh connect, reconnect man and woman and, and things of that nature does it cut out the religious, uh, the erotic expression that we have. I know that might be getting a little bit too overhead, but it's still possible to have expressed that, to be able to express that, and to be able to allow that to to see that it is possible. So, going back to uh, erotic spirituality, um, when we when we embrace eros. And I talk about, uh, I asked the question opening, um, is sanctification a way of expressing errors? And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I've been to churches, when we, I've been to churches and I've seen the people shout. And I cannot discern the delineation the between the, the natural and the spiritual when people are shouting. Sometimes it's easy to, you know. Sometimes you can just tell when a person is shouting in the flesh. But there are other times when that line is lured, where that person's uh, 
ecstatic moments uh, capitulating to erotic expression. So some of the movements become erotic, you know, and if they are have experienced, uh, you know, sanctification or uh, the, the, the speaking in tongues, the nature of what they find, what you find is that ecstatic experience brings about an erotic, you know, emotion and experience. Also, that connection right there. They shout, they get happy, and next thing you know, they are experiencing orgasmic uh, emotions. Yeah, it happens. It, it happens. I know we don't like to believe it happens, but it happens. How do we do that? How do how you know? How can you explain that? I I think that is that that is when that person that individual connects with the divine. That's when he that um, the sacred and the sexual connect. And, and we see that even at climax in physical sex, you know, the sacred and the the sacred and the physical uh, the sexual connect, and it brings about a pleasure. You know. Some people don't like to talk about that part, but that's part of the erotic expression. Uh, I'm, I'm running out of time, and, and I, again, I wish I had a little bit more time to express, uh, to go into this topic. We're going to try it again um, sometime soon, where we'll be able to talk about uh, a little bit more about it. But till then, want to wish you a wonderful, wonderful day, wonderful, wonderful week. I uh, want to invite you back to join us next week. Zero today is the Lord wills. We will be back with fresh, and I feel like I'm just cutting this off big time. But uh, we'll be back with fresh insight, fresh word for you and all who will be willing. We invite you to join us. Zero today, Pastor Lorenzo Neal.